Meeple Night Episode 21, a podcast clanks on with a guest host. Welcome to Meeple Night, a podcast about board games past, present, and future. In today's episode, a guest host joins Josh to give spoiler-free thoughts on Clank Legacy and discuss what a deck builder even is. Take it away, Josh. My name is Josh Knight, and welcome my guest co-host, Mike. Hey, all uh, I guess we're going to do spoiler-free, which is uh, something I guess I can do if I have to. I'd much rather spoil it for everybody and ruin their gameplay, but that's more on me than anyone else. Um, appreciate you having me on, Josh. I, I enjoyed listening to your podcast, and I guess I get to say that uh, I'm a longtime caller, first-time listener. <sighs> Darn it. Backwards. Um, yeah, I know you wanted to hear a little bit about how I got into the hobby. Um, I have a bunch of friends uh, back when I lived up in D.C., they're big into board games. They introduced me to a bunch of the um, intro starter games, you know, the, the Catans, the uh, Dominion. So some of the, the more lighter feral, I guess Dominion's a little less lighter. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about that later. But kind of got into that and uh, took a long break away from games until you kind of dragged me back into it, kicking and screaming <laughs> about six months ago. Um, my main game of choice, though, is, is usually uh, Dungeons Dragons. I know that Andrew was into that, and so that's been kind of my my thing for the last couple of years. And like I said, you're the one that kind of brought me back to uh, board games proper, uh, or the, the hobby, as you like to call it. Yes. <laughs> it's a little snobbier, but... Yeah, yeah, well, you know, you like to sound erudite. I understand. Yes, I got it. Yeah, Dungeons & Dragons is a good kind of middle ground for people to, to actually get into the hobby and to start playing these types of games. And the theme and some of the mechanisms still exist in these games, the role-playing games and Lords of Waterdeep is a, a worker placement game that has Dungeons and Dragons in it. At least the theme. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons is definitely, the theme is stolen for a bunch of games. I mean, we're going to talk on one of them today with Clank Legacy. So uh, it, it makes its ripples and it's, it's well known among the community. So. Well, I mean, we're glad to have you today. You're, Appreciate you're it. no Andrew, but I think you'll, you'll be a, a sufficient replacement. You know, I, I will try to fill his shoes as best I can. I think you have bigger feet than he does. <laughs> he must have some damn small feet. <laughs> well, anyways, for today's special episode, I thought we would take one of Mike's suggestions and review a game mechanism and offer an example of one. This may be a new segment slash theme as we add into some episodes moving forward. So reach out to us on social media if this is a good addition. And to start, I wanted to give an overview about one of my favorite mechanisms, and that is deck building. We have given a few examples before on this podcast, just haven't explained the core of what a deck builder is. These games will start you with a basic set of cards. You will proceed to purchase more cards for your deck, either from a fixed pool of cards like Dominion, or a rotating river of cards like Mystic Veil, or a combination of the two, like Clank. Once your turn is complete, you discard your hand and draw up to your hand size. As the game progresses, you will want to trash or eliminate those basic starting cards that have the more powerful cards you purchase available more frequently. Each game will vary of how you score points, etc. But this is the core concept behind a deck builder and leads into our discussion tonight of Clank Legacy. Now, for those unaware, 
The core concept of Clank is utilizing your deck to advance your character into a dungeon to steal treasure and other valuables before the fierce dragon catches you. You produce Clank by making noise, stealing artifacts, or finding dragon eggs. These Clank cubes are drawn and thrown into a bag, and a certain number of cubes are pulled when the dragon attacks. Escape the dungeon before the dragon knocks you out to get the most points. In the legacy version, the core mechanism is unchanged, with some contracts you will try to fulfill and story you will follow when you land on specific spots or complete said contracts. Now, Mike, I'd like for you to kind of lead off your thoughts on this Clank Legacy, since you actually haven't played Clank before. Yeah, I, I'm glad to do that. Um, I know we talked briefly uh, off air before we started about talking about some of the legacy games. I know both of us have some experience doing legacy before, but for those that are unfamiliar, uh, just so we kind of have a core understanding here when we jump in, uh, legacy games, you know, legacy uh, pandemic, uh, risk legacy, um, some would argue Gloomhaven, are games that kind of have some continuity between each game set. So you play a game and the things you do in that game kind of carry over between one to the next. Um, obviously with your games like Gloomhaven, you know, even you, I guess you could argue Dungeons and Dragons is a legacy game, so to speak. You have a, a ongoing campaign and your characters progress uh, in, in legacy, you know, pandemic, legacy of risk, legacy clank. Um, each, each thing you do, each action kind of affects the board as well as your characters. You know, you open up boxes or you put down stickers and the things you're doing kind of change and adapt and evolve the, the games you play. And so each playthrough is different. Um, as to clank legacy, I mean, I, I so far have very much enjoyed it. We've played five games. I think it is up to now. I think so. Um, and, I, you know, I've heard of Clank before this, but never played. I've seen a couple of videos to kind of catch me up. So I didn't, you know, end up on my back foot against you and get uh, destroyed in our <laughs> first game, which, you know, I uh, don't know how that worked out. But um, it's been an enjoyable run so far. I, I feel like not having played Clank, the original, didn't disadvantage me too much, especially as this game uh, coming to a new has evolved so much from our first playthrough to now. That's kind of allowed me to kind of catch up and adapt, maybe not be stuck or fixed in old rule sets, you know, having not played Clank multiple times previous to. Um, I don't know if you want to give a broad overview of your, your initial thoughts, and then we can kind of go into pros and cons, or if you want me to just keep rambling here. But I'm no, it's, I would agree with you. It, it holds that core mechanism the same. I think kind of leading into a little more of a pro is for those out there who have played Clank before, or maybe even Clank in space, these cards in this game are very different. And so you take a few seconds to kind of read the flavor text or read the actionable items on the cards themselves. But it's, it's, I wouldn't say better than the base clink game, but it's different. And that's not a bad thing by any means. That's why I'm going to put that in a, in a pro category. Yeah. I don't know. Um, this is kind of part of, part of the theme. And we alluded to this earlier that um, clank legacy is technically built on or supposed to juxtapose um, Acquisitions Incorporated, which is an IP owned by Wizards of the Coast, um, which is part of the overarching Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition intellectual property. There, there's a whole book on it. There are people that run adventures in this setting. Um, but that's kind of something that has come into this. This whole thing is based off Acquisitions Incorporated. You're starting a guild to try to compete with other guilds and you know, start your own adventuring guild in this town and build from there. Um, part of Expeditions Incorporated is they're, they're very tongue-in-cheek. They have some dry humor. <laughs> and I think that that very much carries into this. And there's a lot of that flavor text that's kind of subtly built into, or sometimes not so subtly, 
<laughs> built into uh, the Clank Legacy cards. Like you'll throw each other on little, little tag lines and things that are, um, I think, add, add some some humor to it and make the game fun by its own. But, but again, having not played the original to compare it, I don't know if that's something that's it's in the original Clank. You know, if they have the, those subtexts and kind of the humor built in there as well, if that's new to this. There is some. It's not to the degree that is in this legacy version, but there's some, I think, on some of the cards you can purchase at the very bottom and just base clink. It'll have some little quotations about things. Of, like if it's a, uh, a shoes that make you run extra fast or something like that, they might call you Speedy Gonzalez or something to that effect. Like it's trying to inject that, that flavor, but it's definitely more in this version. Do you feel they do it better? Do you like that better that there's more of that in this? Or is that something that detracts from the game in your perspective? I think it just follows with the intellectual property. Okay. I, I think if I knew that IP better, then maybe that would be a plus. But it's not a minus that I don't know it. Yeah, fair enough. I don't think that you have to either watch the Acquisitions Square Bridge show or have played their uh, version of Dungeons & Dragons to appreciate the, the humor they're kind of injecting there. Um, getting a little more into the, the nitty gritty, um, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on some of the things that I've, I've kind of pulled up or thought about when, when playing this. Um, again, my kind of experience with legacy games is uh, Risk Legacy, which I have actually played twice and had started it but not finished a third campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, so clearly I, I enjoyed that version of the game. Uh, and then, as I said, I, I've played a little bit of Gloomhaven, although not nearly as much as you, yeah. uh, based on my understanding. And uh, having many long-going, ongoing D&D campaigns. So again, as much you want to call that a legacy game, so to speak. Um, but one thing I, I found with Clank Legacy is that there are a lot of actions that kind of reveal story elements or kind of have you unveiling new rules or adding new stickers. Um, all these things that are kind of the bread and butter of a legacy game. But I find that compared to your traditional legacy games, uh, I'll leave Gloomhaven and um, DD out of this, but, you know, Risk Legacy. Um, in Risk Legacy, you very infrequently open up new packs or new cards. It happens, and when it happens, it's usually a big, you know, game-changing event. Yeah. Um, whether it, you know, uniquely shape the board or, you know, give you new factions or powers or what have you. Um, with this uh, Clank Legacy, I, I found that we're running across more of these stop, read from the Book of Secrets, yeah. put down a new rule, put down a new sticker, and it happens frequently. You know, I'd say yeah. at a minimum two to three times per game, and sometimes yeah. as many as probably five or six, Yeah, which can be semi-disruptive to the game flow. Um, I know that you personally have said, you know, you'll go for these story elements, and I think that it's fun to unveil the story elements, but it can at times kind of be disruptive. Yeah, absolutely. It's you go in using the reference of Gloomhaven, whenever you finish that, you would put a sticker on the board or you would do something after mm-hmm. you're done playing that session. And I almost wish that was more after you're done playing the sessions, you can do that kind of stuff because you're right. I felt like one of us was either in the book of secrets or putting stickers out half the time. Like it's almost a one-to-one ratio of applying legacy elements and then playing the game that you're almost forgetting Sometimes you have to put your hand down because whenever you get one of these moments, you have to look in the book of secrets immediately or do some type of action immediately. And then you get back to your turn. It's like, wait, what was I going to do? What card was I going to purchase? Like it disrupts it so much that it detracts from the fun of the game. Yeah. And I, again, I think it, it both adds and detracts to the fun of the game, right? Because I mean, obviously some of the game is unveiling this whole element. And I think that's why you play like this game to get kind of the story that comes with it. 
but yeah, definitely when you're, you know, forgetting, I, for me, it's forgetting to draw my hand completely. If you're yep. putting down your hand, you know, because we're just grabbing stickers or reading through, we're trying to remember the new rule we just uncovered or you know, what is it? An intern does. I, I can't recall. And so, um, it's also spoiler free. So don't worry about it. Yeah. I mean, interns grab your coffee and, you yeah. know, file paperwork. That's, that's what interns do. Yeah. We write a, notes for you in medicine. We need an intern for, uh, for your podcast. We do need an intern. I need someone to bring me coffee while we're doing this. <laughs> um, but yeah, again, I, I think it's a pro and a con that you're getting those story elements, but yeah, again, compared to at least the other legacy games I've played it, it seemed more disruptive, less kind of, or if you had things more in between the rounds, I think it would be better than yeah. it, it's hard. It's a pro and a con. Um, be curious to hear, hear your thoughts on this as well. Um, the type of player that would enjoy a legacy game like this, you know, a legacy version of Clank versus, uh, the regular version of Clank. So I was kind of thinking about that this morning when I was uh, kind of thinking about doing this podcast that I feel like the type of person that buys a legacy game, you know, they're, they're kind of priced in because legacy games tend to be more expensive. Yeah. You're committing yourself to playing 10 plus games of this game. You know, I think it's 12, I guess, for Pandemic because you're doing a full quote unquote year. Yeah. Uh, for Risk Legacy, I believe it's 10 games. And then obviously, Gloomy and Zettery, you're playing for the long haul. Um, that there's some, some pricing into you playing that I guess you're going to get a more dedicated player type where the evolving rule set and things like that aren't going to be as bothersome. They're going to maybe be more invested and willing to learn and remember those rules. Whereas I think for your casual uh, gamer, you may kind of lose them when they have to remember the a, a fifth new rule set that has changed drastically each gameplay. Yeah, I guess that's true. Well, first off, I would want to give you a shout out simply because you know these rules better than I do. You're uh, I'm supposed to be the rules guy of this podcast and you've put me to shame with a couple of things that I try to like look up in the rule book and you already know the rule. So that's kudos to you for that. But well, I, it's mostly so I can take advantage of them and beat you. I, I, yeah, well, I don't want to, you know, take too much credit when I'm just using them to my advantage. We're not going to say the wins losses on this, this podcast. That's a spoiler, <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree. Cause anything comes down to how much, fun are you getting per play and this is a game that for i don't know how much it costs anymore but just say 60 bucks mm-hmm. and you've got 10 plays so it comes out to six dollars a play and are you invested in that six dollars so it's one of those if you have the clientele that is definitely going to play through all 10 episodes or 10 levels whatever compared to you just said risk legacy you haven't gotten through but three well so no, i know i've played how you got through it all yeah, I've gotten through oh, okay. it all twice. Okay. I have uh, not gotten well, through the third time. Um, uh, I guess a, a subtle difference is I think Risk Legacy was one twenty, one thirty. It was it is significantly more expensive than if you were just to buy you know your standard version of Risk, like which which I'm sure is twenty thirty dollars. Yeah. So if you were to play the same, although 10 Risk games, Legacy has come down since. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, my understanding though is they actually had to reprint it. That it was so popular they sold out the first run, and so they're now on a second run. And maybe maybe that's why it was so expensive the first time I got it. Maybe it was just so or you know, scares that price was up. I don't, I don't Maybe. Know. I don't know. Yeah, this one, you are talking, it's definitely more expensive than just base clank. But the are you going to be happy with playing base clank 10 times and each time kind of having a similar enough experience versus this, you're talking 20 bucks more, give or take, and you're definitely playing 10 times, hopefully playing through 10 times, and you're getting a different experience each time. I guess, too, it, it, you also have to look at kind of the um, periodicity in which you're playing, too. Like, we've knocked out five units in under a week. Yeah. Whereas I was playing base clank where it wasn't changing. I don't know if I played that same game five times. Um, because at some point, you know, those, those five games are going to get 
little repetitive. Yes. Um, whereas obviously this changed up, you know, how we play and how we enjoyed it. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, a few other pros I would like to throw out there. So I think it's, and you could agree or disagree with this. I think it was easy to jump into that first game. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you at all. Um, and the way that they presented, um, you know, not only is it easy to get into, it's easy to kind of get excited about it too, because the way they portray the adventure and the way they give you, you know, individual characters, which I know is different than base clink. I think not only makes it easy to kind of get into, it makes it exciting to get into because yeah. you're kind of unveiling and kind of creating this thing. Yeah. It's also fun to tear cards. That's like part of the legacy thing is like, you were always told to protect your, your cards. Some people sleeve cards. People do all this. And this game, and just like any legacy game, it's telling, hey, destroy this. Destroy this part. Destroy that. Actually kind of fun. <laughs> I think it's even weirder when you actually, when you're told to, you know, destroy an element of the game. Like, you know, something that physically comes with the game, whether it be a, a cube or, a, you know, a, a meeple or whatever. I can't remember what exactly it was, but I know we've had to destroy something. Where it's something, just, yeah. Spoiler free, we destroyed something. Oh, yeah, spoiler free, and Mike doesn't remember, so this, this kind of helps. <laughs> but uh, it's just one of those things. It's viscerally, uh, you know, wrong to destroy part of a game. Then you're going and blocking the trash and putting it in your card or whatever. Yeah, it's a a very different feeling. Um, but at the same time, as we're not anywhere near finishing it though, but that board that we made together, mm-hmm. we can play with that in the future. So instead of base clank, I can actually pull this board out and I can see the stuff that we've named, the, the things that we've done or didn't do and vice versa. It's, it's kind of cool to have that element. Yeah. And it's, it's been interesting. Cause I know there are many times we open up things and said, you know, save this for future playthroughs. Um, not even necessarily specifically in the, the 10 plays that we're playing. It's saying, you know, in the future, when you come back to this, you'll, you'll have this thing unlocked that you can use, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's this is definitely going into I have base clank and all the expansions and all everything for it, pretty much. And this is definitely going to be added to that collection. So I think that's a pro. The other thing I will say is I'm the insert guy. And I thought this insert that came with this game was really good. It had everything in its place. It had organization. The only thing I would criticize is that the box is just too darn big. <laughs> the box is huge, but I mean, isn't it on about the same size as a regular clank box? I I had the clank box once because you gave it to me and yeah. then I never played it. And it, to me, seemed the same size, but maybe I just missed. Okay. Yeah. It? This is longer and deeper. It's It seems like it's bigger than it needed to be. There's a couple of jokes there that I'm just going to bypass. Um, oh, I, I, try, I try to set you up. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I, you know, I'd like to say I'm the I'm the bigger human between you, Andrew, and me. Well, I'm I'm the biggest human. Yeah, I think actually physically I'm probably the smallest. <laughs> um, you know, one one thing kind of with the insert I wanted to mention is um, I feel like the quality of the pieces also were were fairly high, which is interesting because I feel like it's juxtaposed by the quality of the booklets they provide. Oh yeah. Um, so I think we have a, a pro and a con here in that. Again, with, with base clank, the meeples are those wooden, you know, meeples they have that I mean that they're fine. They, yeah. they don't personally do it for me, but you know, with this you have your your dwarf carrying his his uh, hammer, and you have the, it's an actual miniature. Yeah, it's an actual mini, um, which is pretty cool. I they even give you a mini for the dragon, which I mean the dragon doesn't do anything other than sit on the sideboard that you move up and down. Like it's not like it's on the board. Yeah, but they still give you a cool mini for it, and I yeah. I kind of appreciate they kind of made these elements. Um, more impressive. Yeah. And that many I'm definitely going to use in my base clank moving forward. That's really cool. Oh, yeah. That's a cool idea that you can just kind of substitute one for one and just pull that out. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other one, which 
kind of alluded to a little bit is, so this game, we've played through five of the 10. So we're, we're halfway through. And I want to get your opinion on it. I thought it's been a very slow build. Again, without ruining anything. I just think we're slowly kind of charting through. And in fact, I think our last play was my favorite. Yeah, I think so. Um, again, without I agree without trying to do spoilers. I think that some of the stuff they're building towards allow you to spend more time in play, um, which I found was true with uh, the other Legacy games I've played as well, um, which I think kind of allows you to de- develop and explore more um, than you otherwise would. You know, we get to be down in the depths, you know, <laughs> trying to steal the, the dragon's treasure or you know, grab more pieces of treasure than I think we otherwise would have. Um, but yeah, I agree. This last play was probably the most exciting and I guess going against some of what I said earlier, we probably uncovered the most storyline and kind of got more, more of the story developed than we had previously, which was exciting. So while I called it a con earlier, I think it's also, there, there's some pros to that as well. Yeah. Part of that was, it felt it was easier to access some of those storylines in this most recent episode or the most recent scenario. And I happened to be in the right place at the right time to access those. So I think I can't remember the exact number, but I did a couple, like multiple different storylines within that. While meanwhile, you were just kicking my butt as usual. Well, to be fair, uh, to access storylines, you tend to go out of your way to hurt yourself to do that. <laughs> so you'll take a you know increasing amount of damage to go unveil the storyline, where I'll avoid damage to go and uh, try to win. So different playstyles. It is, and that leads into one of my cons of this game. For those of you out there who've played Clank before, the dragon attacks. So the dragon will attack if there's a card in the river which shows a dragon icon and you pull a certain number of cubes out of the bag depending on how irritated he or she is. In this game, I actually thought that was too many dragon attacks. I know I'm pushing my luck and I'm pushing it just to advance the story and kind of see more of this game than leaving it in a box never to be explored. But at the same time, we were getting attacked a lot. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if that's just our luck or like by proportion, like if there's more dragon tokens per card than the other in the base clank or if we just happen to be getting unlucky i'd like to assume that they've done their balancing with this game and and understand you know that they shouldn't be just (laughs) murdering you straight out but uh maybe i'm wrong maybe i don't know i feel like how many times have i died multiple (laughs) at least two yeah at least i got out above ground though you keep getting like so close to getting back and it's just like you're like one space away and the dragon gets you yep um yeah, I know we alluded to earlier. I think the other, the only other con that I can really think of, uh, sorry, two, I guess, that I can think of, um, and I guess I'll include these kind of back-to-back, is while we commented on the quality of the pieces, um, the, the stuff that comes with it, you know, the Book of Secrets, which is, you know, what you want to unveil as you kind of go through, uh, and the sticker book and the other other kind of books that you need, rule book, uh, at least one of them is already falling apart, and that's yes. after five plays. Yes. Um, which... I, I know, like, obviously, they don't want to spend a ton of money and time building these things because that was going to take add time and money onto the, uh, the production and everything else. But I would have liked it to at least survive our 10 games instead of us having to, you know, duct tape it together <laughs> to keep going. And I think it ripped either this first or second game. Oh, yeah, it was, it, was early. it was early. It was the first day we played. We played two games the first day. So yeah. I, I think, like, a spiral bound, some other games. So, uh, Examples would be Sleeping Gods from Ryan Lockett in Red Raven Games. Uh, a few other ones that have more of a campaign style are doing it. Heck, I think even the new Frost Haven that's coming out has a spiral round or something. You, you spend a little more money for the binding of this, and it would have, I think it would have improved the gameplay. 
yeah, especially again for the for the book of secrets, one that's gonna you know be something you keep with you versus the sticker book. Like the sticker book that can fall apart because you're yeah. throwing the, that away as you go. But yeah, this one that you're gonna be keeping, you definitely yeah. want to kind of keep that together. Um, kind of building off that, I said I had another con. I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, but I, there are a couple elements to this game that I think aren't optimized to mm-hmm. the number of players that you have. Okay. Yes. Uh, Plank Legacy is built to be played with either two or four people. Two, two, four, excuse me, not two or four. Um, yeah, three players not allowed. But there are a couple objectives that you have where it's, you know, get X gold or get X number of victory points or you know, do these certain number of tasks, but it doesn't scale with the number of players you have. And I think we found in both situations, it's been a number that's been significantly higher than what I feel is reasonable for two players to get. Yes. I mean, we didn't accomplish it. And I don't know that we were even close. No. Um, and if you had four players, it would have been trivial. Um, yeah. So, you know, having some sort of scalar quality where, you know, if they had said, you know, do 10 times the number of players or do, you know, whatever points times the number of players, I think would have made it more attainable for a group of two uh, instead of kind of pigeonholing it to the point where you can't win unless it's meant for you not to win so you can develop the other parts of the story because you know if you don't meet your objective something does happen you know it's a if x then y sort of scenario yeah. so if, if it's intentionally supposed to be hard then i get it but the problem being that it become trivial with four players makes me think that it is supposed to be achievable and it just isn't with two yeah i i agree with that well any other pros cons or you want to jump into our overall thoughts of the game my last pro, and I'll keep it keep brief. I know we've talked probably longer than we'd anticipate on this. Is uh, the the nostalgia that this makes me feel for the old school? I don't know if you remember these, the choose your own adventure books. Oh yeah, I love those. Yeah, so there are a number of times where those story elements that we've talked about at length say, you know, if you do, if you choose to you know, save the damsel, go to page thirty two, and if you choose to run away, you know, they, they give you three choices and. Assumably, they affect the gameplay, although we've chosen one, gone and read it, and we don't yeah. know what the others do. But so there is that that element to this that I found enjoyable and kind of uh, a little bit of a nostalgia factor that I found enjoyable too. So. Yeah. yeah. Those are becoming more prevalent within the industry. Uh, you know, a more recent example would be role player adventure has some of that same style that if you want to fight something, you go that, you read page 192. But if you want to, instead befriend this goblin or thief or whatever it is then read page 76 whatever it might be so i I think this is it's good for a legacy game or a uh, campaign style game but heck that even that flavor would be fun in a just a one-off game yeah no it's something i've definitely enjoyed i'm glad to hear it's in other games i haven't seen it personally but i appreciate that it kind of coming back and being a thing for a mechanic well let's head into our, our overall thoughts. So I'll lead the way with this one. And I'll say I'm glad that we're playing through it. I personally would rather play base game Clank over this, but I've also tricked out my copy with some expansions, etc. However, one of the most recent games, like I mentioned before, was probably the most fun I've had. And I wouldn't say how many games we were in uh, when I met that. Maybe we already did. Oops. Anyways, this is my first official legacy game. And to have heard others say that this is their favorite over, say, Pandemic Legacy makes my judgment seem like I'm missing something. Maybe we, we aren't far enough along in the storyline. But for now, I'm cautiously optimistic for the game. It falls into the bucket of, I enjoy my time with Mike more than I enjoy the game. Similar to how I felt with other games like Aquatica. Interesting. Yeah, I, having again not played Clank, the regular version, 
feel like I'm the opposite. Um, I, I think I would prefer to personally play this just because of the, the campaign style elements and the evolving nature of the game makes it feel fresh every gameplay. Um, maybe I'll have to go back and play Clank, the original, or you know, with your um, expansions to, to get a feel for that afterwards to see if I still feel the same way. But um, I, you know, enjoy my play with Josh, you know, to use your, your term here, but I also enjoy the game. So I think maybe you and I have slightly different feelings on this, which yeah. all well. Yeah. I, I very much, as you see from a lot of my reviews, I stick to a middle ground. It's like, we're not going to give a Meeple Knight score for this, but like I'm a three whenever I play a game and a game has to convince me it's better than a three or worse than a three. So like I start with that. It's not like some people that say I start with a five and it gets degraded down. I start in the middle and you have to sway me one way or the other. And if not, it's it's a good game. I'd play it, but maybe there's something else that I, I'd rather play. See, I would have just used your Meeple Night metrics and said, well, this is a game I must have when I play if people offer it. So I would give it a four. Uh, I think that's the, the scoring system. Yeah. You know, I, don't, I don't start at a base level. I just start at what you, what you tell me. Okay. To me. <laughs> or that couple episodes where we were comparing it to fruit. Nope. <laughs> well, uh, anyways, hope everyone enjoyed this unique episode. Again, reach out on social media with any questions, comments, or concerns. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Gmail at meeplenightpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, don't get clanked. Good night and good luck. Thanks for listening to Meeple Night. Today's episode was recorded in Charlottesville, Virginia on February 13th, 2022 and uploaded using Anchor. Our theme music is All Night by Declan DP, provided by Audio Library Plus, which provides free and safe music for content creators. For all the latest from Meeple Night, follow us on Instagram, join our Facebook group, or email us at meeplenightpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back in two weeks. So until then, dream a little dream of games.